Welcome to the Jacked on the Beanstalk podcast, hosted by the always smart-assed and brutally honest Shorky Sisters. Repping the vegan hippie meatheads of the world is Sam, two-time winning fitness champion, certified personal trainer, the first ever vegan world naturals bikini pro, author of Jacked on the Beanstalk, plant-based fuel for vegan athletes, and has an ass that's out of this world. Along for the ride is Sarah, her sister, a stay-at-home mom who drives a minivan, makes a mean fudge brownie, and her ass is, well, mediocre. Together, they're on a mission to live with purpose and without regret, to unlock and share the mysteries of a healthy mind, body, and spirit, to boldly go where two very different but genetically similar minds probably shouldn't go. So grab a seat in the back of Sarah's minivan and come along for the ride. Okay, I don't know about you, Sarah, but I am super stoked for this episode of the Jacked on the Beanstalk podcast, episode three. What up? Three times a charm. That's what they say. Yeah. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Jacked on the Beanstalk podcast. I am your host, Samantha Shorky, and today's episode is all about minimalism. All right, so allow me to preface this episode by stating that I am by no means claiming to be a minimalist. Okay, thank God, because I was going to tell everybody you're completely full of shit. Have you ever been shopping and you see something and it's the most random thing and you wonder who the hell would buy this? The answer is Sam. I won't deny that. Man, have you ever been in one of those overstock item stores? Oh, God. I had to buy a mount for my TV yesterday, and they had them for super cheap there. And I'd never been in this store before, but needless to say... I came home with not only a new TV mount, but new Betsy Johnson slipper socks, all kinds of cat toys, and a Darth Vader wireless mouse. Case and point. (laughs) But anyway, back to uh, advising on how to be a minimalist. From the most unqualified person on earth. I am not a minimalist. I'm a wannabe minimalist. And I just really like some of the principles behind the minimalism concept. It has some good bones to it, Sari. Yeah, I could see that. I could see it. So what exactly is minimalism? My internet crush minimalists who attracted me into it in the first place, a.k.a. Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus of TheMinimalists.com, they define minimalism as a tool to rid yourself of life's excess in favor of focusing on what's important so that you can find happiness, fulfillment, and freedom. They say that minimalism is a tool that can assist you in finding freedom. Freedom from fear, freedom from worry, freedom from overwhelm, freedom from guilt, freedom from depression, freedom from the trappings of the consumer culture that we've built our lives around. Real freedom. Some good stuff. And my own version defines minimalism as Basically just removing what isn't adding value to your life and making room for stuff that is. Because a Darth Vader mouse adds an incredible amount of value to your life. Well, yeah, because Dwight, Dwight is my six-month-old kitten, in case anyone's wondering. Dwight's almost chewed through the frigging cord of my current one that I've had for several years. 
And let's face it, wireless is the way of the future, Sarah. It was a valuable business expense. Fine. And truth be told, I'm a little bit jealous of the Darth Vader mouse. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I kind of want one. Where's the silver stocks? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that'll be your employee bonus uh, this month. And I'm worth every penny. (laughs) But anyway, more than physical possessions, minimalism to me means less clutter, less time commitments, less negative thought patterns, and less toxic relationships. And yeah, just making time, space, and energy for the things that actually do matter. Jeez, maybe I should jump on board this minimalism train. Well, I consider you to be somewhat of a minimalist. You are, after all, uh, you're pretty thrifty, and you definitely don't spend nearly as much money on material items like I do. Oh, and by thrifty, you mean poor? (laughs) Well, it's, no, it's about figuring out what's important to you and what isn't. And I don't know, I would say buying the latest fashion trends isn't really a priority in your life as a stay-at-home mom, is it? No, and I know whatever clothes you bought last week will be in my closet in a month. (laughs) Well, and now that I really am trying to embrace minimalism, I've become even more generous with my closet donation, so you're welcome for that. Yeah, the last batch was particularly good. (laughs) But no, in all seriousness, as I've been trying to adopt a more minimalist lifestyle, I've found that my physical possessions really are a great place to start. So what I've been doing slowly but steadily is going through every room in my apartment and getting rid of everything that doesn't have a place in my life anymore. And I'm finding that it kind of has a therapeutic effect because it really forces you to assess not just your habits, but your feelings and your memories and your values. And in doing so, I've seriously been analyzing the underlying emotions around these items. Can we make a note of that for Jeremy, my husband? He collects (laughs) nothing but useless clutter. The hundreds of shitty horror movies, 20-year-old hockey magazines, and uh, let's not forget the ticket stubs to every concert he has ever attended. (laughs) Just to name a few. See, for me, I just honestly felt stressed out when I would come home. You know, I work from home, so seeing all of this useless shit and clutter, it kind of overloaded me. And I realized that I was hanging on to so much just-in-case stuff, but those just-in-case moments don't really ever seem to happen. Yeah, and aside from stress, I hear it can also lead to spousal resentment. (laughs) You're funny today, Sarah. I'm I'm digging all these one-liner jokes. Apparently, I have a lot to say on the subject. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I guess because you are poor or (laughs) (laughs) just angry. (laughs) So what we really need to ask ourselves, I'd say, or in your husband Jeremy's case, (laughs) is does this collection of 80s horror movies actually add value to his life. Obviously, what I find value in is not going to be the same for Jeremy, although I do love me a good vampire or zombie movie. Shout out to my fave teen vampire movie from 1987, Lost Boys. Yeah, hell, Lost Boys is Oscar worthy compared to some of the crap he has. I'd be interested to know how much value the ginger dead man holds (laughs) in his life. Although, (laughs) in a weird twist between his hoarding and and the kids toy factory that I live in, I have developed an incredible ability to declutter and just hold on to actually 
the most minimal amount of meaningful stuff. I've always thought of myself as a sentimental person. That's the weird part. Yeah, I always felt like I held on to sentimental stuff or things have sentimental value. But I think living in a house with Jeremy's collections and all the toys, like everything is a mom. It's your stuff that gets sacrificed. It's interesting because I feel like we're such opposites in that sense. And it's actually really hard for me to get rid of things sometimes because either I do have some sort of emotional attachment to it or I'm always thinking there will be a use for it someday. Yeah, I think we're all guilty of that, though. But when you share a house with a family and you only have so much room for storing things, it forces you to get brutal and really think about what holds meaning and what doesn't. So are you saying that if you lived alone like I do, you would hold on to more crap? Okay, that's a good point. Probably not because clutter does stress me out. And as we both know, I need order and organization in order to be a productive, sane, highly functioning person. I know I don't enjoy coming home to a messy apartment either. I think clutter stresses most people out. For me, it always comes down to time and priorities. I admit that I'll put my food prep and workouts ahead of my domestic duties. And as much as I hate walking into a shithole apartment with crap scattered everywhere, I know that I'll be more stressed out if I don't have healthy food ready to eat in the fridge. I think that's where we're different or the same, I guess. We all have our priorities, but it's just kind of we have different order of what we consider to be the most important. And yeah, I think that essentially boils down to knowing what your individual priorities are. So on that note, maybe a good question would be to ask yourself, what do you wish you had more time for? Maybe for Jeremy, it is more time watching the ginger dead man. (laughs) And I can relate to that. Despite feeling the need to buy a TV stand yesterday, I literally never find time to just lie on the couch and watch TV or read a book. And I know how important it is to give yourself downtime, but it's very hard for me to justify dedicating my downtime to mindless TV watching when I could be writing a blog post or answering emails. Yeah, but I think the gym is your downtime and that is a huge priority for you. I don't know if I would consider the gym my downtime, though. The gym is just part of my daily life. It's it's like part of my job. But it's the only thing that you won't give up. I remember Christmas Day, which I think is the only day the gym is closed. You were using my children to do lunges and curls <laughs> because you were experiencing some kind of exercise withdrawal. Yeah, they didn't enjoy it very much, though. <laughs> like, I genuinely do feel stressed out when I'm not getting my sweat on. The gym is my happy place. Yeah, and as much as 99% of the population would not consider the gym downtime, it is your stress relief. Mm-hmm. And I think it's how you declutter your mind. You know, I know this makes me sound like a psychopath, but what I consider my downtime is when I'm organizing things or tackling a little project that involves figuring out a new storage solution. Okay, I'm getting excited. Um, No, like sadly, when the kids go... That sounds horrible. (laughs) No, seriously, when the kids go on a sleepover to mom and dad's, I have like this little list and I can't wait to to just dig into some little organization project. It brings a sense of, of accomplishment. 
everyone's looking at me like I'm nuts right now. But seriously, I like to step back and appreciate, you know, it feels good to have completed that task. Aaron is like losing it in the group here. Yes, our producer Aaron uh, is enjoying our minimalism episode, yeah, I think. I think this is, this is actually Aaron's worst nightmare. Uh, but you know what? Sometimes I wonder if it's because my life feels chaotic that bringing order to my physical surroundings is a way to to feel like I'm in control. Yeah, and I totally get that. It kind of reminds me of how I've been making an effort to declutter digitally in the last couple of months. So I've been doing things like unsubscribing to the copious amounts of junk mail that comes into my inbox. And just that one tiny step makes me feel so much less stress when I check my email every day. I'm telling you, this digital world we live in, man, it's information overload, and it it honestly really dilutes our attention. I don't think it helps with your shopping addiction either. You know what is something that I discovered about myself when I started assessing my attachment to all these random p- purchases I was making? I used to always joke that shopping was like a high for me. Retail therapy anytime I was depressed or pissed off or bored or whatever. But since I've been trying to adopt a simpler, more intentional way of living, a.k.a. my wannabe minimalism, I've been trying to figure out what void I'm trying to fill with all this crap I'm buying. I know that when I first moved back to Ottawa from Vancouver last year, I was pretty lonely. Yeah, I had you, Sarah, and mom and dad and a few friends. You know, it wasn't miserable, but my social life was pretty sad in comparison to the one I had back in British Columbia. And so I found myself shopping a lot. And obviously, I legitimately love clothes and shopping and being trendy, but my need for new stuff went beyond that when I really explored what my heart and soul were missing versus what I thought my closet was missing. I think I was providing not only a cure for my boredom, but a sense of social connection, if that makes sense. Things I was missing in my monotonous day-to-day of working from home, but I was kind of in denial of recognizing that. And I'm sure part of it was also an attempt to raise my self-esteem or body image. Because I was depressed, I was eating more, and then I was starting to kind of like put on a little bit extra weight. And Yeah, I- you were huge. <laughs> but for it me... It was disgusting. <laughs> she's being a smartass, by the way. In case you couldn't tell. I think a lot of my shopping over the years has been an attempt to look trendy and fit in. Don't get me wrong. I still do care about looking good and I'll always want to be fashionable. But I've come to realize, again, thanks to the Minimalists documentary on Netflix, Minimalism, a documentary about the important things, which I suggest everybody go check out, is that in fashion... The target is always moving. The styles continually change. The fashion industry considers there are 21 seasons or something like that every year. So that was serious. Yes. So that would mean insane. It's well, but that's the industry, right? It's consumerism. and, And that would mean you'd be shopping every damn week just to keep up with the trends. I know there are some people who refrain from buying new clothes because they've gained weight. But it's always been the opposite for me. So when I moved to Ottawa and I was kind of depressed and I was lacking, you know, that social life, I felt fat because I was eating more and, and just, you know, wallowing in my own misery. So I was shopping a lot in the hopes of finding something that would make me feel better about my body and myself. When I started to break it down, I realized that I was shopping for a feeling 
more than an outfit. I want to reiterate that I'm by no means a minimalist. I think it's funny that we keep making jokes, but seriously, I'm I'm not a minimalist. I still buy tons of crap and I don't really need any of it. And it's only been a month since I've started to go through my personal belongings and really try to get rid of the excess. And I know the whole concept of minimalism can seem a little extreme or unappealing to many After all, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the finer things in life, such as a Darth Vader wireless mouse. I do think that we can all benefit from putting some of the minimalism principles into practice. And I suggest doing what I've been doing, and that means just incorporating one small change every week. I actually got some some good tips out of our Passion Planner, which is a little calendar, but it's got a goal-setting um, aspect to it. And I bought one for Sarah as well, and I don't know how much she uses hers. I feel like oh. every time we have a meeting... She doesn't bring it with her. Yeah, I've forgotten it the last few times, right? I didn't have room in my laptop case. I am actually a huge fan of the Passion Planner. I highly recommend it. Okay. Love it. Passion Planner had a couple of good tips uh, on how you can live a simpler, more intentional life. So I'm going to share a couple of them. And they had a couple good quotes before each one. We all know how much I love quotes. As Benjamin Franklin said, a place for everything everything in its place. Spend a couple of minutes every single day cleaning up your home or maybe just tidying your workspace. But the goal is to start each day with a clean, blank, fresh slate. And here's a sweet one from Leonardo da Vinci. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Ooh, I like that one. It's like cleanliness is next to godliness. Yeah. That's yeah. a big one for me. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> the Passion Planner suggests that we make a list of all the commitments and social obligations that we have in the coming week. Then you simplify the list by crossing out anything that doesn't truly bring you joy or help you move closer to achieving that goal. And my fave tip of all, mostly because it's a Gandhi quote, and if you don't already know, I have a Gandhi quote tattooed on me, a vegan-inspired one. Who doesn't love Gandhi? Right? Gandhi is so cool. He's Gandhi. Dig this one. It's live simply so that others may simply live. That's kind of like what I do with you in donating my clothes. <laughs> I I am Gandhi. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So far, I've compared myself to God. And Sam's basically done the same. <laughs> That's the end of the podcast. That's it, everyone. <laughs> Good night. The action behind this one that the Passion Planner suggests is that if you have multiples of something, choose the best and graciously donate or share the rest. Or donate it to your poor sister. Yeah, exactly. And so that makes me a really good person. And that's... <laughs> anyway, okay, again, we're getting off topic yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't those good tips, though? I bet if you saw those tips, it would mean you were using the Passion Planner. I use the Passion Planner. I do agree. Those are good tips. The Ben Franklin one specifically really resonates with me. Because you said my house is always clean and organized, but I think it's more that my messes are organized messes. And mm -hmm. I'm really good at creating new storage solutions. I think I've mentioned that twice. Uh, it's a passion, really. <laughs> <laughs>
but everything really does have a place in in my house and I always know where everything is. In fact, I remember when we were kids, you used to say that you were afraid to go in my room because I always knew that you were in there. And it's true. <laughs> Even Jeremy, my husband, he says I'm a witch. Well, we shared a room and you were the older, cooler one. So yeah, I was always rooting through your stuff. But then once we, we finally separated when I... Uh, what was I, 16? I finally got my own room. <laughs> that be- was sweet. That was because I was just looking for... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I know what you were doing. <laughs> Boy, we're sharing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. This oh, mom an and dad will be so one. proud. Yeah. Well, they raised God in Gandhi. I mean, come on. <laughs> Back to the minimalism tips and suggestions. Here are some good questions to ask yourself and a few minimalistic homework assignments to do that have been valuable insights into my own little journey of self-discovery and minimalism. As I mentioned earlier, know your priorities. Write down three to five things that are most important to you in your life. Then ask yourself, does the way you spend your time reflect those important things? Echoing the passion planner suggestion I just mentioned, stop over committing. Yes, I admit I was kind of bored and lonely at times when I first moved back to Ottawa, but that's certainly not the case for me anymore. And believe me, I am grateful to have made more friends, to have so much work that I'm sometimes turning away new business, but it's important that we never forget how precious our time is. So really assess how your days are spent and ask yourself, which of your commitments truly add value to your life and which ones don't? It's often pretty obvious to determine what needs to change when you determine what or who causes you to feel anxious and stressed out versus what or who makes you feel ambitious or energized. How comfortable are you in saying no? That's another one. I realize that I tend to be a yes man. Part of minimalism is really saying no to things so that I can focus on the more important things in my life. When I'm constantly forcing myself to let up on is my constant aim for 24-7 productivity. So I will often force myself to have a night away from my laptop or my phone to allow my brain and body to rest and recharge. And that means enjoying my new mounted TV and maybe I'll borrow the ginger dead man. Be mindful of how much fun you allow into your life. And if you're a workaholic like me, ask yourself this. If you had a whole extra day this week to do whatever you wanted, how would you spend that? Oh, the things I could organize. Yeah, Sarah, you're a loser. I'm sorry. You need a better hobby. Let's watch the ginger dead man together. For the times when we are working our asses off, get the most out of your productivity by sticking to one task at a time and turning off your damn notifications. And I know Sarah is probably thinking I sound like such a hypocrite right now because she tells me I cannot focus on one task at a time. And I would like to see when you have these days where you turn your phone off. I I have yet to see those. Again, I'm new to minimalism, so this is a practice that I'm I'm now starting to implement. Next session, you bring that passion planner, I'll turn the phone off. Deal? Deal. Uh, no more Facebook being left open. Turn off those email notifications appearing in the corner of your screen. Yeah, it's just too distracting. I feel like when you're not checking your email and your Facebook and your phone all the time, 
you really do get a lot more accomplished. And my final suggestion is one I'm still working on daily, trying to buy less and experience more. Minimalists tout that money spent on doing delivers far more happiness than money spent on having. So think of it this way. When you're lying on your deathbed, you probably won't be boasting about the 52-inch flat screen TV you own or the boobs that you dished out 10 grand for. I would hope that my last thoughts will be about the 13 countries I visited while hosting karaoke on a cruise ship for six months or doing a fitness competition on May the 4th dressed as Yoda. These events are what shaped the person I have become today. I think I've rambled on long enough about a topic I'm by no means an expert on and I'd rather leave it to the pros. So I will sign off with a quote I absolutely love by Joshua Becker. Sometimes minimizing possessions means a dream must die. But this is not always a bad thing. Sometimes it takes giving up the person we wanted to be in order to fully appreciate the person we can actually become. That's it for today, folks. A couple shout outs. Big thanks again to our vegan pal, Aaron Flynn and CHUO Radio for producing today's podcast. And if you, the listener, are getting value out of this podcast, please send us any questions you'd like answered or topics you'd like us to cover on a future episode. You can hit me up on Facebook or send me an email to sam at jackedonthebeanstalk.com. And this podcast is available on iTunes, so please be sure to subscribe and Lastly, I highly recommend that everyone check out the Minimalist documentary on Netflix if you're at all intrigued by anything we discussed today. And of course, if you like Jacked on the Beadstock podcast, please provide a review on iTunes so that we can help get the word out to other vegan hippie meatheads and wannabe half-assed minimalists. Now, Sarah, I know you're struggling to find a song for us to sing today and to wrap up today's episode. So I decided to take the reins on this one and sing the podcast intro song from the Minimalists. Uh, podcast because it's actually a really beautiful song and I'm excited to do an impersonation of the artist's raspy voice. So are you prepared to sing Every Little Thing by Peter Doran with me? Let's do it. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it Every little thing that you've gotta have Every little thing that you've gotta have That you've gotta reach for And you've gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Thank you, everybody!